morning. My name is Ryan Johnson. I'm the pastor of discipleship here at Cornerstone. It's good to see you all. Um, if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to Psalm 73. Matthew 4.16 said, The people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. The world is dark in many ways. We experience that darkness in our lives in many ways. But Jesus is the light of the world. He has illuminated the darkness. He has brought light and life and hope to each one of us. So in this Advent season, we're going to be considering a few different ways that we experience darkness in our lives. And then we're going to be reminded that Jesus is the light of the world. He is our hope. So today we're going to be considering the darkness of disappointment. It seems to me that at Christmas uh, we may be especially um, prone to disappointment as we, you know, you just went to Thanksgiving, you've got Christmas coming up, and maybe things were not as idyllic or peaceful in your families as you had hoped they would be. In the holiday season, it's coming to the end of the year, so we naturally take stock of our lives and... Um, we may experience disappointment as we consider where we are in life, in our careers or relationships or whatever it might be. But Jesus is the light of the world, and we're going to see that as we worship him, we're enabled to see everything clearly. So we're going to go ahead and read Psalm 73, a psalm of Asaph. Truly, God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek, they are not in trouble as others are, they are not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore pride is their necklace, violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked. Always at ease, they increase in riches. All in vain. Have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence? For all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? 
and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish. You put an end to everyone who is unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. Lord, even as we experience this sermon, whether we are the one preaching it or people hearing it, Lord, may we worship you. Lord, help us to value you, to enjoy you, to trust you, to be in awe of you, to be impressed by you, to bank everything on you. Lord, help us as we consider disappointment to bring our disappointments to you, knowing that you are the one who has the ability to do something about it. But Lord, I pray also that we will just think less of our disappointments and think more of you. Lord, even in the midst of our disappointments, help us to see your good and shepherding hand bringing healing and goodness into our lives, um, even in the midst of tragedy. Lord, most of all, help us to know you, the eternal God, and knowing you to worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Buddy the Elf had a lot of disappointments in his life. Buddy was a human baby who had been adopted by Papa Elf and raised at the North Pole. Buddy enjoyed his life at the North Pole, but as you can imagine, there are challenges being a human in an elf world. So first, Buddy may have been disappointed by how he looked. Everyone else at the North Pole looked cute and small, but Buddy was six foot three and had a full beard by the time he was 15. As we approach the holidays, some of us may be disappointed by how we look too. So I don't know about you guys, but when you get together, for you know, the first time in a long time with friends or family, do you experience the assessment? Do you experience the, the, you know, the once over and then the, wow, you look great. Or maybe the once over and then the change the subject. <laughs> or do you experience maybe even hurtful words? The holiday season is a time of assessment and uh, sometimes it can also be a time of disappointment. I think that Asaph might have been feeling that in our psalm for today. He looked around and he said, everybody else is looking fat and sleek, which I think is like a good thing in that culture. Uh, and then, but we look in the mirror and we maybe experience disappointment. Buddy also experienced disappointment at work. Buddy's boss, Ming Ming, wanted him to make a thousand etch-a-sketches a day but um, Buddy could only seem to make 85. So as Buddy thought about his failures and his stresses at work, he felt like a cotton-headed ninny-money. Some of us may be disappointed by how things are going for us at work, too. Maybe you're not getting the promotion or the placement that you're hoping for. Maybe your work is stressful or there are conflicts in your office. Maybe you're working longer hours than you wanted to. You're traveling more than you wanted to. Maybe you don't have a job or you don't like your job. Uh, maybe you are staying at home 
with your kids, and it is not as fulfilling and satisfying as you imagined it being. School or work is an important area of our lives, and some of us feel disappointment in this area. And I think Asaph agrees. He looks around and he says, everybody else is always at ease. They're doing great financially, and they're doing better all the time. Uh, but maybe when you think about your work situation or your financial situation, maybe you experience a sense of disappointment. Buddy was not very good at making stitch sketches, so he was sent to test jack-in-the-boxes. And while he was there, he overheard Fum Fum telling Ming Ming that he was a human. Uh, he learned that uh, his mother, uh, well, he learned he was the son of Walter Hobbs and Susan Wells, and his, his mother, Susan Wells, had died and given him up for adoption. His father was still alive and living in New York City. So Buddy sent off from the North Pole to go and meet his father. He passed through the seven layers of the candy cane forest. He passed the sea of twirly, swirly gumdrops, and then he walked through the Lincoln Tunnel. But his, uh, his travels still had disappointment. He tried to give a raccoon a hug, and it did not want a hug. And then he got run over by a taxi cab. So maybe travels are hard on us, too. Uh, maybe, like I said, you know, you just traveled for Thanksgiving or had people for Thanksgiving, but uh, maybe it was not as glorious and refreshing as you hoped it would be. Uh, maybe when you get to Christmas coming up, it will not be as peaceful or uh, restful as you hoped it would be. Uh, maybe you just completed some travels, and here you are in Southern Maryland, a place that you maybe thought you would never be, and as you drive on 235, maybe you experience a sense of disappointment. Uh, or maybe you have a move coming up that you don't want to do. Um, or maybe you just had friends move away yet again. Buddy was excited to meet his biological father, but even his father was a source of more disappointment for him. He was, Buddy was horrified to learn from Santa that his father was on the naughty list. His father had lost his way. His father was prioritizing work over family. He was prioritizing money over helping people. Maybe at Christmas, we're reminded that people in our lives are making bad decisions too. Uh, maybe there are people that we love who are not walking with the Lord. Maybe our kids are making bad decisions that are hurting themselves and others. We even get disappointed in our church. Um, I had a friend in seminary that he, every single week he got depressed on Sunday. He thought, church is the one place it's supposed to be different. And he'd come back every Sunday and say, that's not the way it's supposed to be. So don't worry, the movie Elf, it, it goes well. It comes to a happy conclusion. Buddy ends up with Zoe Deschanel. Uh, Buddy's dad gets his priorities straight. They sing in Central Park and they save Christmas. But uh, unfortunately, life is not a movie and some things don't work out. Um, sometimes conflicts are not resolved, sometimes marriages end, sometimes people die, and sometimes hopes are never fulfilled. The holiday season takes, gives us an opportunity to, to make an assessment of our lives, to see how we're doing. 
and sometimes there's a sense of disappointment. And when we're disappointed by our situations, it's easy to look around at other people and think, now they have it better. And uh, that's what Asaph was doing in this passage. Uh, He said in verse 3, I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Life for me is hard. Why do other people have it so easy? The grass looks greener over there. Who are they to have it so good? Asaph began with disappointment. Things were not all that he hoped for in his life. He moved on to envy, uh, looking around and thinking other people had it better. And finally, he settled into self-pity. Verse 14, for all the day long, I have been stricken and rebuked every morning. God has been very unfair to me. I deserve better than this. It's dark thoughts, but can you identify at all with Asaph? Nobody understands the pressures I face. I work so hard and nobody appreciates me. My marriage is a wreck and it's all my spouse's fault. I'm exhausted. I've sacrificed so much. I never get any me time. Will I ever get a break? Nobody knows how hard life is for me. No one cares. No one is helping me. I'm constantly in pain. I can't do this anymore. Does any of that sound familiar? It is a world of disappointment. George Bailey grew up in a small town called Bedford Falls. Uh, his father owned a small savings or building and loan company, which gave mortgages to people in Bedford Falls so they wouldn't have to rent from the evil Mr. Potter. George's dream growing up was to travel the world and make skyscrapers and uh, airfields and bridges. But after George graduated from high school, his father um, died of a stroke. And so he had to take over the family business so that it wouldn't go under. George did get married to a wonderful girl named Mary. And they saved up some money. And they were ready to finally get out and see the world. Uh, They were going to do a European honeymoon. Um, But then there was a run on the bank. And they had to use their saved up money so that the customers could withdraw their money from the bank. The worst part was that um, George's uncle, Billy, who was in charge of making the deposit, uh, lost the money. And so uh, George knew that as soon as the bank auditors realized that all the money was gone, that the, the bank was going under and that he was going to prison. And so George lost control. He was lashing out at everyone in anger. He said to his wife in front of his kids, why do we even have to have all these kids? He went to a bar and started drinking. He got into a fight and wrecked his car. It seemed to George that his life had been one disappointment after another. And finally, he ended up at a bridge, ready to jump off and take his own life. But then, something happened. Clarence the angel showed up and enabled him to see his life more clearly. Clarence enabled him to see uh, what a difference his life had made. He enabled him to see uh, what, what reality would have been like if George had never been born. They went back to George's house, and they discovered that all the friends and neighbors had learned about the misplaced deposit, and so they'd all gotten together and brought money to chip in to bail out the, um, the bank. And George realized, I really do have a wonderful life. 
Clarence helped George see his life more clearly. And God does something that enables us to see our lives more clearly. He calls us to worship him. Asaph was filled with disappointment. He was spiraling lower and lower, darker and darker, into envy, self-pity, and doubt about God's goodness. Verse 16, but when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Worshiping God changed everything. When we worship God, when we remember him, when we remember all that he has done for us and all that he means to us, then it changes everything. We need to worship God because worship enables us to see everything clearly. Worship reminds us of God's presence. When we're full of disappointment, we are not usually thinking about God. We're usually just focused on ourselves, our own lives. But as soon as we worship God, we remember we're not alone. Verse 23, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. Asaph realizes the whole time I was filled with disappointment, you were right there with me the entire time. You were loving me. You were leading me. You were providing for me. Worship reminds us of God's perspective. We're going to move through these quickly. There's six of them. Worship reminds us of God's perspective. When we're filled with disappointment, we are usually not thinking about eternity. We're usually thinking about today. We're usually thinking, how can I maximize as much happiness as I can out of these few short years of my life? But as soon as we worship God, we are reminded of eternity. Verse 24, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail. We could have an accident on the way home. We could have a disease that would cause our flesh or our heart to fail. But God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. He is the one who will satisfy me for all eternity. Worship reminds us of God's activity. Verse 28, but for me it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. When we're disappointed, we're focused on our own affairs, our own works, things that we're up to. When we worship God, we're reminded of his works, what he's up to. When we're full of disappointment, it's kind of like we're looking at our lives as a one-act play we, where we are the main character and where, quite frankly, the storyline is full of sadness and disappointment. But as soon as we worship God, we remember we're not in a one-act play, we're in a five-act play. And we are not the main character. God is. In act one, he created everything, good. In act two, people turned away from him. Act three is long. Uh, act three is God's plan of redemption, where he begins to save his people Israel and then sends his son to be born of a virgin, to live a human life. Jesus lived a perfectly righteous life. He died on the cross to pay for our sins, and then he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit to empower his followers to live for him. So that's, that's Acts 1 through 3. We know Act 5. We can look ahead and see that Jesus is going to return and fix everything. And now here we are in Act 4, taking our cues from Acts 1 to 3 that have gone before, 
looking ahead with hope at where we know the story is going in Act 5, and living, hopefully, appropriately, according to where we are in God's story. Uh, meaning, we need to do the things that are appropriate to Act 4. We need to embrace Jesus Christ as the Savior. Uh, we need to trust in Jesus Christ and enter into a relationship with God. We need to prioritize that relationship over everything. And we need to realize that God is in the midst of a mission where he is, uh, where his word is spreading all over the whole world, making disciples of all nations. He's inviting people everywhere into relationship with him um, and where his people are ministering as his hands and feet in the world, ministering in deed all around the world, serving a hurting and broken world. That's where we are in the story. Disappointment looks at me my life, what I'm up to. But as we worship God, we remember what God is up to and how, that, how his story brings us hope and how his story informs how we should live our story. Worship also reminds us of God's goodness. Disappointment leads us to focus on the things in our lives that we wish were different. But God has been good to each one of us. Asaph knew that, even though he wasn't feeling it. He said, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. I read an article recently uh, that said that God is gracious to demand that we give thanks. When we're filled with disappointment, we do not feel like being thankful. We feel like rehearsing our hurts and wallowing in misery. But God says, rejoice. Always pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So God says to you, give thanks. And you say, for what? And he says, you tell me. <laughs> and then you start to think. And you're like, well, you know, really, it's not all that bad. There are some good things in my life. And as you start to... Think about the good that God has done to you, and as you start to express to him your thankfulness for the good that he has done for you, you start to actually become thankful. God has been good to us, but the best good is just God himself. Verse 25, whom have I in heaven but you, and there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. What is better, the Lunch that Marcelina already told me is waiting for me when I get home? Or Marcelina, my wife? What is better? The gifts that maybe Marcelina will give me on Christmas if I play my cards right? Or my wife, Marcelina? What is better? God or his creation? What is better? God or the good gifts that he gives you? Anything that God gives us in this world can be lost. Even life itself can be lost. But God gives us relationship with himself, the one thing that cannot be lost, the one thing that continues after death. God is good to us. He has done so much for us. And he, most importantly, he's given us the gift of relationship with himself forever. So worship leads us to repentance. We come to God full of disappointments, and then we're reminded of God's presence. He was with us even in the midst of all of our wallowing and misery and disappointments. We're reminded of 
that's my place. We're reminded of his perspective. That, that's what I wanted to say. We're reminded of his perspective, that life is short and eternity is long. We're reminded of his goodness, all the good that he's done for us, and um, especially just the fact that he's given us relationship with himself. And then as we remember these things, as we remember his goodness, our hearts are softened and we repent. Verse 21, when my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. We realize we're trying to use God. In verse 13, Asaph says, all in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. What was the point? What was the point of loving you, God, and being faithful to you if you're not going to give me what I need to be happy? Failing to understand that God has given us the only thing that will ultimately make us happy, which is relationship with himself. So worship leads us to repentance. One last thing is that worship leads us to God's people. Verse 17, the turning point for Asaph came when he went into the sanctuary of God. And remember, this is a psalm of Asaph. This is Asaph we're talking about here. And we know something about Asaph because he appeared earlier in 1 Chronicles 16. Uh, this is 1 Chronicles 16, verses 4 to 6. This is after King David brought the ark into Jerusalem. It says, Then he, David, appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and second to him were Zechariah, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and Jehiel, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. My point is, when Asaph went to the sanctuary of God, it wasn't just him and God. All of his friends were there. Zechariah, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, all the rest. They were there. Um, they knew him. They could tell if he was down, and they could encourage him and pray for him. Um, he, as, as he participated in the worship, he, I mean, he, he was the leader, so he had a role. Um, and as he was you know, singing the songs, he's, he can hear himself and everyone else singing praise to God and thanking God for all that he has done. Uh, and he also had a job. Whenever it was time, he had to, you know, bang the cymbals. Uh, so my point is simply that we are not alone. When we're feeling crushed with disappointment, God leads us to his people. We can come to church on Sunday and we can um, hear the words of the sermon or the passages or the prayers or the songs. We can participate in worship by um, singing and hearing everyone else affirming to us the truths about God. Um, we, you know, in, in church, we can know each other and know if each other are down and need to be encouraged and prayed for, especially with the holiday season coming up. You know, we know that People are going to have a hard time this holiday season. Holiday season is hard for a lot of people. And we can think ahead as the body of Christ and think ahead about how God could use us to encourage each other in what may be a difficult time for some. The world was dark for Charlie Brown. He told his friend Linus, I think there must be something wrong with me, Linus. 
Christmas is coming, but I'm not happy. I don't feel the way I'm supposed to feel. Charlie Brown looked in his mailbox for Christmas cards, and there weren't any. So he went to the psychiatrist. He told her, I'm depressed. And she says, I know what you need. You need to get more involved. You need to become the director of the Christmas play. So Charlie Brown did that, but it only made things worse because no one wanted to listen to what Charlie Brown had to say about how to act out the Christmas play. At least he had the chance to go and pick out the Christmas tree that they were going to use in the Christmas play. But then it got even worse. No one even liked his Christmas tree. As Charlie Brown was suffering as a series of disappointments, Linus told him what Christmas was really about. I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The light broke through the darkness for Charlie Brown. Even his friends were moved by Linus's speech they realized, oh, they realized his Christmas tree's not so bad after all. So they decorated it together. And then they all sang together. Hark the herald, angels sing, glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Like Charlie Brown, the world may be dark for many of us. We may think of our lives and be filled with disappointments. But Jesus the light of the world has come. He has done what was necessary so that God and sinners could be reconciled. And he will come again to fix everything so that we can finally be with him forever. So worship him. And as you worship him, you will remember his presence, that he was always with you, even in the darkest disappointments. You'll remember his perspective. Life is short. Eternity is long. And you'll remember his goodness, that he's given us the best possible gift, which is relationship with himself forever. So worship him, and then you will be able to see everything clearly. Let's pray. Lord, help us to worship you even now. Help us to simply enjoy you and enjoy the good news that though our worlds are dark, frequently, though we are full of disappointments frequently, that you have broken through 
that you have been born into our world and that you have done what was necessary so that God and sinners could be reconciled. Lord, help us to worship you by trusting you, by loving you, by enjoying you, by feeling awe at you, by being impressed with you, by thinking less about ourselves and our disappointments and more about you and what you're up to in the world. Lord, enable us, even now, to worship you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.